0: Hello, everyone. This is Tyler with LoFi Lit. Today, I have a very special guest, Zach Smith, who has published Everything is Totally Fine by Moomoo Moo House and 50 Barn Poems from Clash Books. He is with Back... Is it with Clash?
1: Uh, yeah, 50 Barn Poems is Clash, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. He is publishing Death Egg, and he helps with Back Patio Press with Cap Gonzalez. That's right how are you man <laughs> i'm good yeah I'm, I'm great thanks for having me on i appreciate it no problem hey, thanks for coming to my
1: reading that i hosted hey thank you for for hosting that was a lot of fun i that was the i've only done a few readings and that was the second or third i've done online and it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it why did you say yes it sounded fun no okay. one invites me to do these things i don't know really <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, think it's man.
0: because you're seen as like a big deal? <laughs> I hope not. Am I a big deal? Uh, well, one, you're on uh, other people with Brad Listy, and two, you're on Silverblatt. Like no one's on Silverblatt. <laughs> you have to be like iconic to be on like Silverblatt. <laughs> uh,
1: thanks. I mean, that was both of those were because of Tao. Uh, they both are fans of him, and I think they're um, cynically, I can say they're both being supportive of him um, and and having me on the show, but uh yeah thank you no i mean i i said yes because it sounded fun i like doing readings um i liked the other people that you invited on to do the reading and oh, thank you i thought it would be fun and it was so yeah i appreciate it how was uh silverblatt it was really intense yeah so yeah. He, uh he was so he's the host of um bookworm which was a, a really long running Uh, a radio show based out of la i think and uh yeah it was really it was a surreal experience because he's had like real massive people on it um and uh yeah i remember i got an email from him because he's in california so i got an email it was like i don't know 11 p.m my time uh i was in bed and he's like hey um you know i got your book and i'd like to have you on the show are you free for like a like a call just to like i think he just does that to feel people out you know mm-hmm. uh and i was like yeah so i like ran to uh, the other side of the house in my underwear <laughs> and like talked on the phone of him for like an hour uh it was really intense he's a really 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 great guy he's really nice you know he would yeah you because know, he's talked to so many people and he's got so much experience like he'd be like you know what's a book that you just read that you enjoyed and i would just mention a random name be like oh yeah and then he'd tell me some crazy anecdote about <laughs> meeting that person uh and then we did like a like a pre interview interview where like all four of us were on the call. And then we did the actual recording. And um both were pretty intense and good. Like the topics covered were different between all the calls. Uh on the pre call, like the one where he was sort of running through what it might be like. He basically made me cry, <laughs> which is oh, wow. yeah, it was really it was really emotional. It was cool. What do you say? He just uh yeah, I think he really he picked up on a lot of the themes about like depression um, and like suicide ideation and and stuff like that, like you know, mental health struggles that are throughout the book. And uh, you know, I felt like I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly what he was you know saying about it, but he said things that made me feel really like perceived in a way that I hadn't really felt before, um, at least in the context of the book, and. Yeah, just really intense. He's like a really charismatic person. He's really, really kind and sweet. Uh, Yeah, it it was a really cool experience.
0: I'm fascinated by the writing here. I think of it as being very much like the Hemingway of his earliest stories, and I think his best ones in our time. It's the declaration of things that could not be said any other way that usually don't get said. And your announcement at the end of the story that this, what we've just heard is only one day in the thousands of depressive days that we spend as depressed people. Tell me, do you regard that depression? as personal to you as a writer or a quality of the society that we're living in at this time?
1: That's an interesting question. Uh, I guess if I'm being honest, that I always considered it a, a personal thing. I understand that, uh, and it's especially becoming more common now for people to talk about struggling with depression or uh, feeling certain ways that it. It still always, at least for me, felt like a very isolating experience where your conception of normal uh, exists outside of yourself, where it's something that you're isolated in or you sort of carry with shame, which I think is ironic because like you point out, I think it's incredibly common. (laughs) You know what happened to him? i think he just got sick uh i think got sick or hurt um and uh he just isn't up for doing the show right now i think do you think he'll
0: come back i hope so
1: um but only if you know he's like fully up for it i don't want him you know putting himself in a his risk at, at greater health just to do it uh but i know it's like his you know passion and did you ever see i think there was like a youtube video or someone went to his apartment or he invited someone over and they like filmed it wow. and you could see like just like the 10 million books <laughs> in wow. his apartment yeah
0: would it's you like, ever host a show like his
1: i've i could not no he's he's a one-of-a-kind guy yeah I or just he, like
0: uh, your own show <laughs> where you had it your own style
1: <laughs> i don't know uh i don't think i'd be any good at that i i'm a slow reader i'm i don't think i'm a very deep reader and uh i don't i'm a bad conversationalist (laughs) you think think think? yeah
0: no i think Uh, you're good (laughs) well thank you what (laughs) if it was like space ghost
1: i liked that show yeah uh man i'd love it it, where i would be space ghost
0: yeah you're like a superhero that was in space (laughs) and then you like fucked with your guests
1: i think that'd be a lot of fun um You know, a while ago, when was this? There was a reading. It might have been from Israel's company at some point. I remember I watched a reading where Graham Irvin did a... He read some stuff. And he had this really good, like, late-night talk show host monologue energy. And uh, I felt really, like, manically inspired by that. I was like, man, he would... He should... We should reboot the idea of, like, an internet late-night talk show, and he'd be a really good host for it. So that's a similar thing. I, I would probably i'd probably be i'd like to write for that but not like be the face of it
0: who would be like okay if you were the face of it who would be like your sidekick <laughs> uh cav
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't think i have to think on it i don't speaking know I don't
0: of a, <laughs> speaking of adult swim do you think like in death egg you know those adult swim like bumpers where they where they like have it between the commercials mm-hmm. like those remind me of kind of death egg it has a similar yeah. vibe to it
1: yeah i think um I'm trying to remember because i haven't watched like tv in like i don't know a decade probably but uh i used to watch a lot of adult swim that was really influential to my own writing uh so I, I remember when it like started it didn't exist when i was a kid and uh yeah i try to remember they would have like this they had a good tone to them this good voice on those bumpers it was sort of postmodern, and they had like a cheekiness to them and uh they would they're like little i think they're similar to tweets or like mm-hmm. posting like they're a good mechanism for poetic experimentation in a non uh in an atypical space so i could see that similarity
0: yeah I so what so. about this book that you because you solicited from nathaniel and then he sent you these right and like what like you were like i need to publish this
1: yeah uh you know i think he, he mentioned on his call with you that we've been talking for a while so i think i had been aware of him <clears throat> on a uh, on twitter before we talked and then I did the quarantine in the middle of the early lockdowns and everyone was really bored and um yeah he had sent a good poem with a short title but like the subject line in the of the email was really really long it was like effectively his sort of long style uh poetry titles and I was like that should be the title of the of the poem uh you know and then that felt like sort of the start of a like our friendship and it was sort of couched in writing and editing, so that's been like an aspect of it. So we've talked about writing and stuff, and so I've edited uh, this collection without thinking of publishing it. Like I looked at it way back, and also his short stories, um, and yeah, you know, just gave like edits and feedbacks and encouragement and stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, like for publishing. Um, I know there's this whole rigmarole about like submissions and people trying to find places and solicitations and stuff. So I didn't I don't know if I would like I guess maybe in my head I hadn't thought of it as soliciting him, but more just like I knew the the book existed. I knew I liked it. I knew he was having a hard time finding a place that he would be you know satisfied with. And it was just around the time when I was starting to get back into trying to publish stuff um as a publisher and yeah i thought like yeah let's just go for it (laughs) you know i don't know so yeah i I mean i liked the poems regardless of of publishing them or not i thought you know it was a great collection and i think your original question is like what about it spoke to me i think what i really i mean everything we've published at back patio is pretty different in some ways there's like three lines through them but everything's different and i think what i like about it all is that it's there are things that like I've edited a lot of the books and given feedback and helped shape them. But I feel like each book is still something that I couldn't write myself or wouldn't be able to write myself. And part of the fun is trusting the author on things that like, I don't even understand or like, uh, you know, like I, I trust there's a, there's a logic there and I, I like, feel the effect of it even if I don't fully comprehend it at the time um and this had that energy to it um so you know it's it's different from a lot of indie lit stuff because it has the more inscrutable poetry with a big p like line breaks it's got a lot of simile and metaphor um but a lot of really stark imagery um but it's also you know imbued with this like like the it feels like a really contemporary pop culture, like effluvia. Like it's you know, it's uh like the mixing the banality of uh like a shitty relationship or like looking at a dead crab on the beach with like shit from video games where everything is really intense and crazy and uh like life or death. Cause we're in this especially now I feel like, you know, so much of our pop culture is like anime is more popular than ever like with a really wide western audience everyone plays a bunch of video games and these are all like so so much of our pop culture is like space battles you know and like limit breaks and fucking super saiyan shit and it's just funny to me uh like putting that in contrast with our stupid daily lives and i think his poetry captured that really well
0: would you say this is alt lit?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so.
0: You don't think you're all lit. You don't think back patio is all
1: lit? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think everyone's got different interpretations of of all that stuff. To me, yeah, alt lit was like a time period uh, with just a few key players and a lot of stylistic stuff to it. A lot of aesthetic stuff bound up in it, you know. Um, and so I don't. I don't think either of us write stuff that would fit into that canonically part of it because it's it's too late time period part of it is because like we're influenced by it and we're trying to do something else from it you know like to me a lot of outlet trappings are like down to the syntax like lots of poems that would have like lines like I want to and then like a cool image so like uh you know like uh, there's a Tao poem that I like that's on Bear Parade where he's like, I want to destroy a $200,000 house with an aluminum chair. There's like a Sam Pink poem all about, like, I want to drop kick your face or something. Um, and so I think that was really common then. And you can see it bubble up sometimes, but it always feels like a reference to that time period and those writers Do you think it stuff like
0: you're, you're evolving the definition of what alt lit could be i don't know i don't i don't think of myself as part
1: of alt lit but Alt-Lit, you were
0: published by mumu house and that's yeah. like how when that's like very alt lit that's the <laughs> center of it
1: yeah but you know time that was it was like 10 years after the the sort of peak of it um
0: you refused to i don't
1: refuse it but i i, I just don't i honestly don't really think it, it fully applies i mean like you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that, again, like uh, other people can disagree, but in my head, like all that sort of like ended in, I don't know, 2017 or 2016 for whatever reason. And you know, there's stuff that came out after that, that feels like if it had been published a couple years before it would fit right into it. Like I, I go back to uh, Calm Face by Bud Smith a lot. I think that's a great little book that is, even in the, the title sort of it feels like a reference to a neutral facial expression, which was a peak alt lit image that Tao would use. And it's you know, it's centered on this image of him almost getting hit by a bus, and the bus driver has a calm face, and he has a calm face. And it's that feels really alt lit to me. But that was from like I don't know twenty sixteen or something. So it, it feels, feels like it's like
0: mocking alt lit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, could be, but I, you- I unironically like it. Did you come up on, like, internet, literary uh, communities?
1: Not really. I mean, I don't... What do you mean? Like
0: Twitter or, like, HTML giant or...
1: No, I wasn't around for any of that.
0: Oh. Yeah, I... uh... But you knew Bear Parade.
1: Yeah. Sort of, like, after the fact. Um, I was peripherally aware of that stuff in... I read Richard Yates by Talon probably... 2011 or 2012 like around when it came out but that was because at the time i liked this web comic called pictures for sad children and the author had a blog um and each post would include like uh mp3 you know or a book recommendation i remember once it was richard yates and i was like this looks like a cool book and i like you know um this artist and I like the the cartoon so I'm going to trust the recommendation and end up liking a lot um but I didn't do like a I didn't do much with that after that I didn't like find everything online I wasn't on Twitter then um you know I was just living more real life in real life at the time like finishing college and stuff so I came to it sort of after the fact maybe like 2017 i started getting into reading more because i had been in grad school for a while and i felt like i couldn't do anything fun and then when i was done i was like i want to read books again i remember liking these talent books and um just digging stuff up online and then going through and rereading stuff and reading bear Pray and being like oh man this is still really good and from there yeah so i wasn't like posting on the (laughs) html giant or anything
0: how long were you in grad school for Uh
1: I guess like four years, four
0: and a half years. Oh, it's not that bad. That's not that long.
1: Yeah. 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 I was doing a PhD and then I dropped out, like Oh, you dropped out? Yeah, halfway through my last year. Uh why? I hated it. I was gonna kill myself. Whoa.
0: (laughs) Are you serious?
1: I was really depressed. Yeah. I was I was in a really bad spot. Did you Uh, get
0: just like disinterested in it, but you're like expected to like finish it, and that was like the pressure of that?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that was part of it. It was uh, There's a lot of pressure. It was kind of an intense program. There was a lot of... Uh, um, people would get, like, kicked out. Uh, like, every year, one or two people basically would basically be, like, asked to leave.
0: Why? So, felt, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, for just bad like, stuff? Or, like... No, I mean, just for... Or plagiarized?
1: No, just, like performance or grades or whatever or like they uh or they didn't like the advisors didn't like their topics they wanted to study
0: so they kicked them out because they didn't like their topics basically (laughs) wow what a what dicks
1: yeah i mean so it was an intense and like the process was you uh take classes for like two years and then you do uh you write like a big paper and then you do like an exam based on it and then you do that a second time and then you do your dissertation. And so like the first two big papers have to have committees and there's like a review and a deliberation and all this stuff. And so yeah, people would uh, either of those papers, like they might not like they might come out basically like being told that it's not a snuff or like it's not a good topic and they shouldn't have done it and that they should leave. And so that put a lot of pressure on everyone that filled everyone with a lot of fear. It's not a good environment. No, and uh you know i was just it felt uh just felt difficult and so
0: um, so your topic was accepted though but then at some point you hated it
1: (laughs) yeah i yeah i made it through my first two things and then uh i was working on the dissertation it just wasn't really like happening it wasn't really coming out i didn't really know what i was doing i felt like i didn't have a lot of direction i didn't care that much i just got really depressed I felt like a lot of fear and pressure because, like, you know, part of that program was they're like old school in terms of not helping you find a job outside of going back into academia. And, you know, there were uh, in that, in in the subfield I was studying, there was probably like two job postings a year, you know, and probably like, I don't know, a thousand people every year applying to them. So you know, I just felt like doomed. <laughs> I didn't have any prospects. I didn't know uh, what I was gonna do. You know, my uh, I, I didn't like. I wasn't making any money doing the 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 degree, and then I don't know. I just felt pretty doomed. Then I just like freaked out about it for a while, and then uh, eventually got a job uh, just in like an actual company outside of academia. Um, and then as soon as I could, I just left. I just like never like never emailed anyone ever again <laughs> have you kids.
0: talked to anyone that you used to go to school with uh, a couple people
1: yeah i was close with a few people and we we would stay in touch for a little bit yeah but i haven't talked to them in a, in a little while but part of that is because i just i'm bad at staying in touch with people and i'm bad at social media
0: is there any interest in that topic that you're like studying or is it like just completely dead to you Yeah, it's pretty dead to me. I don't. Dang. What was like? Were there any kernels of excitement like very early on? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was super into it when I started. It was all, uh, yeah, sort of
1: embarrassing. But I had a good friend um that I knew in college who was studying the same thing, and then I went off to school, and I remember like getting so excited about some of the classes I was taking. I I would write like handwritten letters to him. I would like. Write out like the theory and <laughs> <Wow. laughs> like, diagrams and shit in my letters. Uh, you know, so I felt inspired by a lot of it for a while, and I think it'll always be in my head. But it was like the process of trying to do, trying to do like the publishing, trying to do the research, trying to do like the the whole grind of it is what sort of killed it.
0: Would you ever like publish like in the future a book that was like your voice, but then sort of like linguistic stuff too
1: uh probably not um no just because i haven't thought about it in years and yeah for a while i i thought it'd be fun to try to write like a textbook like an introduction to linguistics textbook but i mean there's like a million of those so i don't know there's no point to it really
0: or like you know those very beginning books that like you get in like intro to english classes and like high school and college because those are so boring If you like someone could like write a one that's at least a little interesting but still teaches you shit probably yeah
1: there might be a market for that I don't yeah know. but I, I feel like I probably wouldn't be qualified for
0: that do you <laughs> do you diagram sentences
1: uh, so yeah what I studied was uh, Chomsky and formal syntax and uh, interpretive wow. semantics based on that so um yeah so like my uh a lot of the stuff i worked on is basically like yeah ways of diagramming sentences or like the theories on how you should or could diagram them that would make them like what are the universal requirements across known languages and how you can reduce those patterns to like the most minimal like mathematical operations
0: so, you studied that diagramming. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. I yeah. terrible at that like in high school.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a different kind of diagramming. It'd be like, uh, you know, it's like in English, a sentence breaks down into a noun phrase and a verb phrase. And then, like, a verb phrase can have another noun phrase in it, but you just get more like weird and intense. So, like, actually, there are these different phrases that have like special mathematical symbols in them, but there's no like, one word that corresponds to that category and it helps you like distinguish between transitive verbs and intransitive verbs and like relationships between sentences that effectively mean the same thing but appear
0: different do you think this helped you write uh i don't know i think if it does
1: it's only that i i think the the main takeaway for me approaching it writing from this is that the magic of language like is dead to me so i don't (laughs) i I think like a lot of people like go into poetry or whatever and they're like you know there's like some magic here there's some like beauty to it you can do these constructions that like create this meaning and connection and stuff and to me i'm like it's just like cold math and it's uninteresting and so I want so I I tried so I end up writing like much more minimally and like not doing a lot of this the typical like poetic construction stuff just because it's it doesn't have that charm to me but I also think it helps me think in terms of like I have this internalized understanding I think of sentence construction that's not like super typical. And so I think of things in terms of like argument structure and like the implicature of having like a certain adverb, like what kind of references that could introduce to the meaning of the sentence. So like, you know, like adverbs are really cool. So I think that's the one thing I still think is really cool from studying linguistics is like, there's all these different categories of adverbs and they can like create this meaning that you don't really fully expect. So like, uh, I don't So like, you know, you could have a, you could say like, you know, the, the horse ran fast, but if you couch it in the adverb, like supposedly you introduce this like opinion of the speaker. Wow. So it's not just about like this objective thing about the horse running fast, you know, like, and just the adverb adds like a participant basically to the, to the meaning. So that kind of stuff is sort of what I studied and was kind of cool to me, but I don't know if I use that <laughs> in my writing at all.
0: <laughs> so like what different adverbs are there?
1: There's a whole bunch. And, uh, and they're like hierarchical and how they order. Uh, I don't know them all. But there's like, um,
0: do they? How are they different? Like hierarchies.
1: <laughs> uh, so there's stuff like, like manner and place and time. So which are pretty straightforward. Like fast and there, uh, and like, um, you know, like quickly or last mm-hmm. week or whatever. Those are all sort of adverbial things. But then there's like, what I was studying were adverbs like easily, mm-hmm. because. This creates a a weird ambiguity. So you could say, uh, like, imagine you're a coach, like a football coach, and you're like, my quarterback runs easily. So that could mean, like, the quarterback is physically capable of running well, and it's easy for him to run. But it could also mean that it's easy for the coach to make him run. Oh, because he so it's has this like authority over him.
0: based on the perception of the how the readers interpret interpreting the language.
1: Yeah, kinda. So there's something about the word easily that can introduce this like other meaning to the verb, basically, or like sets of participants in the verb that you're or the the act that you're describing and how that's related to stuff like it's easy to run or it's easy for the quarterback to run.
0: So, if you were writing a piece of fiction, would you have two speakers speaking this and then have them confused about <laughs> what's going on?
1: I mean, you could. I don't know. I think that'd be a little uh, too meta. Yeah, it might be a little like silly. Um, yeah, but I I think it's. It's just sort of like something that's fun to think about. And then I think it can surface in different ways. And I guess maybe like in my story collection, it happens sometimes with um, person. So like you can, it was fun for me in that collection to play with writing a story that's effectively in a uh, third person the whole time. But then if you just add an I pronoun in the last sentence, it changes the meaning oh, yeah. of the entire story everything yeah yeah (laughs) and so that's related to this idea of like scope which means like uh yeah how like words or sentences influence one another in the order of them and there's like things about a given language where one word or construction can't scope over another one but sometimes they can and so in like a whole story you can play with that like embedding of ideas just by the order like the the freedom you have to put things in a certain order can change the impact of the story.
0: I think you should be a teacher and like teach this shit
1: <laughs> thanks i mean i was a I was a teaching assistant for a little bit uh for for a few semesters, and it was or you could
0: do like a YouTube thing or a YouTube <laughs> series where you like teach this stuff because you still like it, you still have a passion for it. I guess I guess I don't know. It doesn't sound too fun. We just have to not care what the audience thinks. We gotta make it fun. You could do it with like music or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I I sort of like feel like I came of age before the whole YouTube craze, so it's not like where my brain goes anymore. I feel like the era now is like if you have a passion about it, you should go on TikTok and like get a bunch of oh yeah product placement because you can teach people about whatever
0: point at stuff like (laughs) this yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah, in a different era i'd probably do that but for now i'm just uh, i'm just gonna sit on it i guess (laughs) talk about it in podcasts and there you go
0: (laughs) so with death egg okay can you list some ways that you've gone about uh promoting it because you wrote about it on your blog yeah sure
1: um we've done both traditional and non-traditional means i think for independent and small press publishing it's a fine line because if you try just to do traditional means you most likely will alienate the people who like you because you're weird um and an alternative to literature (laughs) uh and then but then if you try to get too weird then people feel like you're not trying hard enough or like um what do you mean well i think like you know, it's it's like a traditional way of promoting would be to like reach out to a bunch of press. Mm-hmm. Like what I could have done is email, like mailed a copy of it to the Washington Post, right? And I know that there's a 0% chance that anyone at the Washington Post would review it um, for a variety of systemic and institutional and money-related reasons. Uh, but I could do that. And then you think of that as a scale, like New York Times, Washington Post, for the top of the scale, and then like the lowest part of the scale is like, uh, yeah, like someone who does a podcast on like this, like, like this, yeah. yeah. Like I could, I should put you on a list and send you books next time I do. No, book.
0: I don't like people <laughs> sending me things. Cause I already have things in my brain, and it's like someone wants me to look at their book, and like I'm already right. focused on something else. I'd rather like be interested into it and then contact. Right person and I have like this responsibility to like say nice things to it because like what if mm-hmm. i don't like it i want to say something nice about it
1: exactly and that's totally reasonable and that's really normal right and so that mm-hmm. makes it difficult to be like well i have a responsibility to the author to try to get press and promotion for the book so i should get the book to as many like fucking indie lit podcasters as i can but that means i'm gonna put if i email it to, like six people four of them might feel uncomfortable about it because they might think I'm just trying to, you know, they might not like the book. They might be too busy. They might, you know, want to do something else. might not like me, like whatever. Uh, exactly. Like that's a, and so that's this part of this given, like this tug of war basically. Like how do I help Nathaniel feel like I'm trying for him versus just being a pain in the ass to other people? And then that's, you know, then you look wherever, like, you know, local press, uh, regional press, internet press, um, podcasts, book review sites, whatever, people who post on Goodreads. So, like, for small press stuff, especially at this level, like, so much of the traditional avenues for promotion are completely shut off that there's no point in, like, trying it. So you got to try to find, like, so a lot of people say just fuck it. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to rely on word of mouth and like Twitter and Instagram and I'll sell like 30 bucks, 30 bucks um, or I'll rely on the author to do whatever. And some people convince themselves that they can just, that they'll, they should mail a copy to the Washington post <laughs> or whatever, wow. waste their, waste their time and money. Uh, or you can try to find a happy medium. And so every book we do, it's a different, you know, it's a refinement of it and you learn some stuff and you, you, you know, decide some stuff's not worth it. Some stuff is. So like I have this rough list of, you know, like if I go in to do another book, whatever that will be that we publish through back patio, like based on every experience I've had so far, I'll probably have a refined list of how I should go about promoting it. Uh, but I think like at this level, the biggest impact is not taking yourself seriously and having fun and making people laugh mm-hmm. because we, you know, I think uh, as much as I maybe in private we will talk shit about them inside the castle is a press that makes really weird, experimental, weird looking books. But they had a really good tweet recently where they're like, an alternative in the art scene should not just be a shittier version of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're running a small press, and I agree with this, I think like, it's pointless to try to publish, I don't know, young adult fiction. That's just too shitty to get published by the normal presses that do young adult fiction. Like the ecosystem we inhabit is to publish books like death egg or liver mush or stuff that uh probably, you know, not because of quality, but because of like just the aesthetics of it or the content of it would never get taken seriously by a, a press that's like grant funded or
0: whatever. But didn't you get guess- nate or nathaniel uh like something in the paper like he's going to do an interview in the paper
1: yeah yeah so that's the thing yeah so i've i felt like i should try to do some local outreach so i um found like i emailed his so he lives in the same town where he went to college Um, so i emailed the college newspaper and they never responded they emailed a local public broadcast tv channel and they blocked my email
0: address wow
1: i emailed a local radio station and they ignored me um you know and and when i say email like i wrote a short email and i included like a press release that i wrote and i included the pdf you know i try to make it professional but not annoying because i've gotten normal press release emails and they suck to read so i try to make it a little bit better than that uh and base and then i reach out to some local bookstores you know and Uh, so part of it is the difficulty just finding what those venues could be and getting their information and figuring out how to contact them and then reaching out with the right stuff and then out of everyone who you hear back from and we heard back from one bookstore downtown they wanted three copies which is great not complaining about that that's kind of funny wait Uh, they
0: just wanted three (laughs) were they like put it on a shelf yeah
1: maybe hopefully I think it'd be great you know, probably in the. Local do you think they wanted to read
0: challenge. them? What? Do you think like the owner and like wanted to have three of them to read? Are <laughs> they going to sell them? What were they doing with just three?
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a bookstore. Like, you're trying to make money, and no one reads books anymore. So, like, you're not going to buy fifty copies of a weird poetry book from a no-name press, because. Um, you know, like it's, it's just the, it's just being pragmatic about it. So I yeah. think three is, is very reasonable, but it is funny because it's only three, you know? And I don't know, they might not sell any of them. Uh, or maybe they sell all three and then we ship them more. I don't know what's gonna happen. So yeah, we heard back from one bookstore and this, um, I don't know if it's a newspaper. I thought it was a blog, to be honest, it might be a blog. Maybe it's like a free weekly or something, um, but you know, the person seemed nice and enthusiastic. And then someone else reached out uh, to get a review copy, like independently. And then I, yeah, you know, we sent it. And then I never heard back from them. But that wasn't like a local thing. Yeah, you know, that's just like I don't know, some person on the internet. Uh, See, so, yeah, you can do all this outreach, but then like, what uh, you know, just the sheer numbers of it, like the sheer investment versus the return for this level of publishing is like almost nothing.
0: Did you ask Tao Lynn to do anything?
1: Uh, he just bought one, which is nice. Wow. Um, yeah he's just supportive I uh, you know I try not to I don't want to be the kind of person who leverages friendships and relationships for like petty promotional or monetary gain like that so he blurbed liver mush, but that was because Graham like asked me to reach out to him like as the publisher to get a blurb Uh, If Nathaniel had asked me for the same, I would have done the same. But, um, you know, I don't want to put people in a position where they feel uncomfortable about having to do something because of our relationship. You know, I I think like uh, I try to be respectful of that distinction. So, uh, but I don't know. He might like it. Maybe he'll put it in his uh, reading log. Um, I think he'd like it.
0: Do you think there's like should be stores that, specifically sell the types of books that you're putting out or like in within like internet indie stuff uh
1: yeah i don't know how well they would do
0: yeah <laughs> i don't know
1: i i did so yeah part of why i started the flat dog distro big car oh you run that yeah 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 okay that's that's the storefront for my utility closet that has a plastic bin full of books and stickers wait what yeah. It's just, Your utility closet. Yeah. That door oh, cool. behind me, there's a plastic tub that's got like, I don't know, 100 books in it and uh, some crap uh, and some bubble mailers. Um, but so I originally started it because I had this idea, I think, sort of what you're alluding to, where like as a comparison for, um, I, I try to think of things in terms of like small record labels that I have a lot of love for. And a lot of these places, you know, they put out like a record or two a year, but then they also function as distribution hubs for other record labels that they're friends with or they like or whatever. Um, and so it's like, there's a gap in that for small press publishing, because if you think about it, like, uh, I don't know, pick like a random person, like homeless, the author homeless. He's got a book on Expat. He's got a book on House of Vlad. He's got a book on uh, Godpile. Pile and a book on Clash, right? So it has got four books, um, four different presses, mostly small uh, print-on-demand or like really small um, batch presses. And, but there's no website aside from Amazon. Even that doesn't work because Expat's not on Amazon. There's no website where you can just buy all four at once. Uh-huh. right? So it made sense to me conceivably just have a website where if, for some authors regardless of who put out the book you could just buy all their books at once and just have that grow naturally based on like the network of people but i didn't really implement that <laughs> too much with this that was just sort of the initial idea so like there's a Kurt book bundle that is like the one example that like i think we have one bundle left but you could buy good at drugs you could buy his um, split chat book with barracuda you could buy his chapbook that was on Selfuck, I think. Uh, so you buy like all, or it is his chatbook on Bottle Cap. So you could buy like all three things plus a sticker for one go. So if that's what you're describing, I think that should exist. I tried to do it a little bit, but I didn't try that hard. <laughs> but so you know, like, yeah.
0: Do you, does someone get paid a little bit more or less because it's going through? your channel
1: yeah. So that's the other like difficulty about it like um you know i think the the main reason not the main reason but one of the reasons book distribution is difficult and book placement is, is because of the economy of scale and prices so bookstores um generally will only stock your book uh wherein they pay um like forty percent to fifty percent of the cover price. So, Death Egg is fourteen dollars. Most bookstores, if we were to work with them through a distributor, they would say, "I'll buy ten copies for uh, like six dollars each." Um, and if the cost to print the book is three dollars, that means the publisher gets three dollars. The bookstore gets you know the difference between six and fourteen. Or whatever they actually sell it at, maybe they don't sell them and they have to put them on super sale. You know, they only make a dollar a book. Um, and then if you imagine you go through a distributor, the distributor needs to pay to keep it on a shelf and run a database and send out catalogs and pay their staff. So the distributor needs to take a cut. So at the end of the day, if you're like a normal press and you're using a distributor like, I don't know, small press distro or Ingram or whatever, you'll probably make like, a buck 50 or two bucks a book and then you know you have to the royalty split with the author (laughs) and so it's like what how much work are you putting into making like 75 cents uh to, to get your book on a bookshelf and so uh yeah like a website would be the same thing like if i wanted to sell um other people's books from other publishers i would have to buy them wholesale bulk from that publisher for some discount rate as if i were a bookstore and then try to figure out how to make money on that, if it's worth it. Um so that's probably not why I'm super I've scaled it up too much, because ultimately I'd have to have a bunch of books that I might not sell at all <laughs> and I might lose a bunch of money.
0: So when you liked Death Egg, do you go to do you go to Cabin and like ask him, like, oh, do you like this or not? Or can he like say no, we're not gonna publish that? <laughs> uh
1: yeah, so the history of Back Patio is kind of weird and interesting. The current status is that basically I did everything for Death Egg. Um, oh, it's yours now? Yeah, uh, oh. at least for now. I mean, so the history of it is back in 2018, Kevin was editing for a website called Soft Cartel. He was the fiction editor, but he didn't run the whole website. And he got bit bitten by the small press publishing bug and he decided to publish a book through soft cartel, which was the ghost of mile 43 by Craig Rogers. Um, and at the time I was friends with cabin because I had submitted a story to soft cartel and we hit it off and just talked over email. And at the time I wanted to learn how to make books. <laughs> that is an exciting prospect. I also gotten bitten by the bug. So I helped him sort of do some of the business stuff and logistics to getting that book made the book ended up actually being the death of soft cartel because the guy who ran the website didn't part it was part of the reason but he didn't like one the move to making books and he didn't like um some of the people who ended up being published on the website because this was like post trump like everyone's afraid of fascism era so uh I don't know if you have any experience like editing for websites, but like, I have no idea who these people are who are submitting stuff for the website, right? And if you like the poem, you want to publish the poem. So, but for a while you would do that. And then someone would be like, I can't believe you published this person because they've, I don't know, they kill dogs. And you're like, I don't know, I didn't know that. So that kind of happened in the closed South Cartel. Uh, and then so Kevin started Back Patio as a website for web submissions, sort of in that vein. And then he wanted to expand it to books pretty quickly thereafter. So he did Photographs of Madness by Alec uh, Fugate, and I helped some of the logistics on that and found the person to do the cover. Um, so that's like the history back patio. So it, up until maybe like a year and a half ago, it was mostly just all cabin. It was like he was finding the books, he was doing the editing, he was doing the layout uh, typesetting, he was finding the cover designers. I was helping like doing the budgeting and like... I bought him like a, um, like a thermal printer to make shipping labels <laughs> easier wow. to print, you know, uh, and like design stickers and stuff like that. And some of the books I would edit, <clears throat> some of the books he would edit, some of the books we would both edit. Um, but then he got kind of burned out. He had some personal stuff happen, and so we were towards the end. I had wanted to publish sad sad boy by michael o'brien and i ran in my cabin. he's like yeah go for it i like that it. That's great um so that was when i sort of sourced and ended up doing like all the design and layout for um, and then the press kind of like fell apart <laughs> before mm-hmm. uh that came out so i just sort of said like i'll just do right by michael and finish it um and put it on amazon and get copies made and all that stuff uh and that's sort of how things ended in like i don't know early 2022 um and so i'd done some one-off publishing of stuff like my cookbook and troy's Ori's book uh and then i got most of the back patio catalog back in print just to have them so there'd be a place for people to buy them again like some weren't even on amazon so i had to put them on amazon and all this stuff so it involved me just like you know working with cabin to get the original files or whatever a whole bunch you know and we still talk and uh, but he's just like busy with stuff uh and basically i asked if i could restart it because i want to do nathaniel's book and he's like yeah nathaniel kicks ass um i think he's read a bunch of the poems too so but he hasn't guys, really been involved
0: have you guys ever clashed heads
1: no no i don't think so no no we got a good mutual respect thing i think
0: isn't he going to the misery tourism reading on friday I think so. Last I
1: heard, yeah. Although he's a, uh, um, I don't know how much I could talk about him because he's potentially in some hot water for being a weird alt lit been... author. Because yeah, he's like a teacher now, <laughs> and kids keep like finding his books online. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, he's last I heard, he's scheduled to read. So he <laughs> he is alt lit, you think? Well, you know, I'm I'm saying that with quotes to just because. Okay uh because of whatever um but yeah you know people are growing up they're getting old and it's uh you know uh it's a hard time i think with the internet to be able to separate your personal and public life and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are stumbling through that as we transition into this new era so uh yeah i don't know (laughs) if you get like threatened like no i just think like they're like listen you're like teaching at a school <laughs> it's probably not a good look to publish poems about like suicide ideation and hot dogs on the so internet. they're trying to censor
0: him <laughs> i, I think, mean that's essentially what's going on
1: i think they're trying to protect him a little bit to be honest i, th- I think i don't think it's censoring because they don't they don't like it i think it's they don't want him to being in a position where teachers or uh, parents feel uncomfortable that
0: they want him to be like professional and like, yeah. 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 I can see the irony there. Yeah. It's tough. I I, I feel
1: bad for him. Um, but I, I, so, but I think everyone's just trying to figure out. So I don't have clear guidance on like how much to say or like how much of his name should be on the books and stuff. So I'm trying to keep it. Oh really? Just have Man. the books available, but keep it. That's
0: located. extreme. <laughs> like if you had like your your library right now and the things that you write but you were in grad school and like they were trying to like do the same to you how would you respond
1: uh, yeah I don't know uh, I've had the luxury of not having to figure that out um, yeah. yeah I don't know I mean I don't again I don't think it's malicious I think it's just more like
0: well yeah I know but it's, it's still like <laughs> the man is trying to silence you from like <laughs> writing the way that you write. I mean, no then, one's saying like, he
1: can't write. I think, I think the, like the reality of it is he should just like, I mean, if he were still writing and publishing, I don't think he's written too much lately, but you know, if that were still his passion and he was still trying to put up books, I think the reasonable thing is just to use the pseudonym and, you know, just sort of separate your personal and public life as much as you can.
0: Or you could just tone down the back patio Twitter account. And then I think maybe everything would be cool. I don't
1: I don't think that's it. I think it's just about like, you know, because right now, if, you know, his students can go just Google his name, basically. And it's not even like the backpedia Twitter account. It's like, you know, just the stuff he's published on like random websites, like the stories and poems. And like, I don't know, like an interview on whatever some website or... I I don't um, know. I haven't Googled them. I don't know what comes up.
0: Well, I know like <laughs> his, his interview with... Uh the fuck boy guy that that was like taken down like you can't even find it oh the podcast yeah
1: yeah i think sean took down a bunch of his old episodes after the whole drama wave
0: but he took down calves
1: i mean yeah i don't know i don't know if they're still buds or not i don't know if they talk did they get into a fight i don't think so i just think it was a it was a weird it was a weird event and a lot of people got emotional about it and a lot of people decided to do things publicly or privately that um so yeah i don't know i think i think like i mean but i also think a lot of people just try to stay out of it you know i didn't want to get involved kevin didn't want to get involved i
0: think sam pink thing
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: oh I don't think that was that big of a deal, but I guess it was. I mean, it was
1: like a big deal for people like in the scene at the time. It feels like there's a lot of, you know, it was a lot of like uh, questions of authenticity
0: and influence and well, like, I thought, like versus... Sam Pink inspired this kid, and then this kid like kind of wrote like Sam Pink, and like Sam Pink got mad about it.
1: I mean, that's the like that's the that's the Sam Pink angle of it basically and we don't really know the Sean angle of it. So mm-hmm. uh I actually just started reading fuckboy Boy. I started reading it last week. Um and you know I don't I don't really want to weigh in on, on all this. I stuff, liked but, it. I thought
0: it was a good book.
1: Yeah I think it's pretty compelling. I don't think it's uh I don't think it's a Sam Pink ripoff. Um no, not at all I think it's pretty it's in original. the context yeah I mean it's it's a it's a unique book. Yeah. I think in the context of the rest of the book i mean the book is mostly about like sean feeling like a piece of shit not knowing who he is and relying mm-hmm. on the kindness of strangers and people in his life to teach him about the world and also relying on books and authors to teach him about how to be an author and so he talks about sam pink as much as he talks about like and Oscar and like mm-hmm. less than he talks about sheila Hedy. uh you know, he talks about like i don't know a whole bunch of books in the and his
0: skin flaking off <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's also
1: just like a normal big press book with you know all this like relationship drama and stuff uh but yeah i mean i, I don't think it's the same pink ripoff based on my read of it but i could see why someone in sam pink's position would feel upset by it especially if you didn't actually read the whole thing which is what this sounded like um and at the time you know like I remember when Sean would start publishing stuff online um, and no one knew who he was. And, you know, like he published stuff that ended up being in the book and some stuff that wasn't in, in the book or some stuff that had been edited differently. So I think he had like, uh, you know, he had like a story on some website that at the time was formatted to look a lot more and sound a lot more like a Sam Pink story. But um, if that ended up in Fuckboy, then I think it'd been edited pretty drastically to change but also, it's not unique. Like a lot of people, you know, write like Sam Pink. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. publish stuff like him. A lot of my favorite books just, you know, are in that same vein. And I don't think there's anything like malicious or wrong about that.
0: So you took a screenshot of Fuckboy on your Twitter. And I guess there's some controversy or something that I was not, I didn't even like know. Was he like going to be published by Back Patio and like, or some other kid was? And it got taken away down?
1: uh no i mean all i uh i just took a picture of a page where he talks about this other uh, writer uh who has a website um and that that's like a whole other story that's unrelated to back patio and in the book fuckboy he talks about this other writer who at the time used the name savage child spelled with a k in the child part who wrote and tweeted about his experience having a book that was going to be published by dostoevsky wannabe which was a small one of the print on demand presses with like cool book covers Mm -hmm. but he had some sort of psychotic break and like tweeted a bunch of regrettable stuff and they dropped the book and he got upset about it as you know i imagine anyone in his position would be upset about it and sean had seen that and in the context of fuckboy that inspires him to sort of think about like toxic masculinity and I don't know whatever, he, whatever he thinks about for like a, a few chapters. Uh, so it was like a real thing that happened. And my personal interest in it is that the savage child guy, like was briefly obsessed with me and hated me and would talk a lot of shit about me on the internet. Why? <laughs> That's an even longer, weirder, stupider story. Wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the context of that was neutral spaces. The website started a few years ago and when it started, there was a chat room component that might still be active. I don't know if anyone posting there anymore, but it was pretty I active.
0: Post, I posted in there.
1: Okay. There you go. You keep it alive. Yeah. But for, I don't know, like a couple months, um, it was super active and a lot of people, uh, would pop in and were involved, uh, and people would talk about like, you know, discourse of the day stuff about online publishing. Um, And I was, like, in the discussion trying to grapple with my thoughts about places that, like I mentioned, like, would end up publishing people who, uh, you know, like, probably weren't the best people or had, like, political views I disagreed with or whatever. Um, And there were, like, some presses that would court it more than other presses. Um, And I'll even remember, there's some piece that, some story that I thought was really stupid. I was probably talking about that. But this guy, like I guess, was lurking in the chat and had convinced himself that we were talking about him when we weren't. Uh, at least I wasn't know I if anyone else. But he was not on my radar at all at the time. Uh, but he convinced himself that it was about him, and that was also around the time Fifty Barn Pumps came out. And I think he, you know, thought it was a stupid sounding book and didn't like that people were talking about it. So, um, yeah, I, I think this—he's a fine person. I like his writing from what I've read. I don't know much about his personal life. I think he's had a lot of struggles, but I also know Karen? he, yeah, it could be. Yeah. But he's also like, from what I gather online also has, uh, gotten upset about various people in the writing community in similar ways. So I'm not like, for very small things, I guess. Yeah. I think maybe, Sounds I don't know. I can speak all of that. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to hang out with him. I don't think, um, but uh I mean that's the context for that. So that's why I thought it was interesting to see it, him of all people show up in Fuckboy, because of this, okay. this personal uh encounter on the internet. But then when I posted that, some people who had been around or were part of the original Altlet stuff um in like the early tens, twenty tens were talking about it in the context of I don't even know. I guess in the passage, Sean is like, oh man, even Alt-Lit has a problem with like me too and people getting canceled and then the people replying to the tweet were like he sounds like an idiot because Altlet famously imploded from a bunch of like yeah relationship scandals and like rape accusations so it seems stupid like weird or out of touch to think that not understand that aspect of it i guess that's my read on that Uh (laughs) (laughs) consoluted (laughs) <laughs> small twitter interaction
0: <laughs> why why are you being like reasonable with this guy you're like well maybe he's a nice guy i i don't know if he's a nice
1: guy i just i don't want to talk shit about people oh, I okay I, I think he i mean from what i what limited stuff i've seen of him posting on the internet like i think he's got legitimate problems that he's trying to deal with i don't I know think he does too. if he has the support he needs i don't want to add any
0: problems to his life okay. uh, <laughs> so you're like a very mild like guy you don't get angry a lot yeah no i don't want to i don't want
1: to stir any shit but a lot of people seem to try to stir shit with
0: me for some reason they do like other than him yeah oh yeah oh yeah well who who tries our shit with you You're like a really nice guy i, I, I don't want to get into it <laughs> okay what the fuck? wow i'm shocked okay no the
1: the i think the the online internet Indie indie lit, post alt lit, whatever you want to call it, has a lot of intense personalities, a lot of sensitive people, a lot of people who, uh, you know, really want, really want to find an identity in their writing, and they have a lot of strong opinions about other people getting things that they perceive they want. Oh, um, and you know, I think that's a normal thing to struggle with. I think everyone, uh, yeah. You know, whether they want to admit it or not carries a lot of resentment around and they have a lot of ambition and it can be hard if you see someone who you perceive as like a lesser artist or less than like um, yeah, whatever a person getting things that uh, you want for yourself or you don't think they deserve or, and this could be like being published in a certain place or like getting a certain number of, Engagement on your tweets, whatever you know, it could be anything, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I think people have a hard time communicating uh directly. And, and I think there's a lot of like people just with straight up mental illnesses who probably don't get the treatment they need and they yeah. just live on the internet, you know. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to get into it. I'm not, I don't hold okay. any like deep resentment or just, you know, dislike with a lot of people. I just try to. But I've learned to keep a lot of people at a distance. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Were there any people that you thought you'd be friends with, but then they started freaking out?
1: Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think early on I was more naive and I would try to connect with people um, on the basis of liking their writing or seeing some similarity and, you know, trying to make friends, I think basically in the context of writing and it can get complicated when, you know, some people can be pretty like, you know, everyone's got different morals and ethics and points of view. So a lot of people see like people being friendly or trying to make friends online in an art scene and cynically view that as them trying to like, uh, you know, dirt people off to, um, to promote themselves or get things that they want. Or, You know, people like, you know, project a lot of cynicism onto it, or like, um, people think they're going to be taken advantage of. I think that was part, there's an aspect of the Sam Pink Sean thing where I think, like, you know, there's probably this sense of here's a person who's trying to be friendly, who's trying to like promote me, trying to have me on his podcast. But at the end of the day, he turned that into a big payout for himself. And there's a lot of skepticism built into that, right? Like, wait, who thought that? I think that's part of the Sam Pink like essay where he's oh, like, "Yeah, okay. you know, here's this guy talking about my book, interviewing me on his podcast, um, blah blah blah." You know, acting like an indie writer guy, but the whole time he's secretly getting an MFA at like yeah. Columbia or whatever, and gets a big book press. So you know, people get skeptical of people who are friendly online or yeah. who try to like, you know, network or like interview people or uh, solicit people or run I mean, like
0: success though like that like that strong <laughs> thor connor had that's just like luck and like timing and all these different elements to think that's just like it's from an interviewer style or something i don't know there's so much more to like
1: yeah i mean it's a big complicated
0: story, yeah, yeah but
1: yeah. i yeah i think like i don't know the i guess the original point is like yeah people have different thoughts on artistry and uh you know submitting writing or editing writing or soliciting writing or publishing writing. And uh, the factor that relationships play into success is often a really big factor that people, I think if you're like view your art as really important and like the merit of your art should lead to success. A lot of people get complex emotions or feelings or worldviews. When they feel like lesser writers are seeing success because they just know the right people or they can mm-hmm. flatter the right people. So, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, some people just have clashing personality types. Some people are more prone to skepticism. Some people are more naive. Uh, you know, it's hard to navigate this stuff. And it's a weird space, especially online. Are there it's any
0: like- writers that you just hate their writing, but you're like friends with them?
1: <laughs> there. Yeah, I was thinking about that before. I think it'd be a funny, um, like, a compass to make. Like, but for me, it was like people whose tweets I like, but their writing I don't like. Or yeah, people I like personally whose writing I don't like. Uh, There's a few probably, but I don't feel super. Like, maybe not. I don't know. I generally think that I. It's like a holistic thing. I gravitate towards people whose writing I like because I think it often says something about their personality or worldview that mm-hmm. vibes with me. So, you know, I'm I think some of my I think my close writing friends are my favorite writers. Um but there are a lot of people whose writing I like a lot who I don't like their personalities or I don't like what I know about them that well that much. I don't know if there's a lot of people who I like but dislike their writing. I think that might be a blind spot for me.
0: Are there any people that like you disagree with their world views but then they fucking make you laugh and like god, you're like god damn it I like this person but I know I shouldn't.
1: Uh, like like a, what, like a Republican who's good at tweeting or something.
0: Yeah maybe like that. Uh, Did you ever, so you didn't ever read HTML giant?
1: Not at the time,
0: no. But Not did you ever go back and read it? A little bit, yeah. Because there was this person on there named Seth Olbum, and like mm-hmm. he would like speak through like baby dictators, and like I don't think I ever like agreed with like his political opinions, but he was so fucking funny and strange, and I was like, God damn it! I guess I just like this, yeah, writer. So that's <laughs> a very specific example, but
1: that's a good example. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I don't, I also like don't. I try not to know. Again, I, I want to go back to music on this too, as like sort of my compass on this, because I think it's we have in a culturally we seem to have an obsession with trying to find out as much as we can about a given person whose art that we like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that could lead to this like parasocial relationship or like
0: That's true.
1: trying to befriend someone who is like a celebrity or whatever. Uh, and I think that is a problem in like the. A pro- not this really problem but it's like a factor of this drama in small press publishing where someone who's writing you admire you want to connect with them and reach out to them and try to be friends with them and if they like snub you they might piss you off or if they like you know try to just fluff you up so they can charge you to edit their your you know their book or whatever then whatever
0: um, there's a lot of us, str- like a lot of writers are like kind of strange neurotic, yeah. paranoid people
1: <laughs> yeah i think artists you know they've there's a reason they're artists uh but uh that's all sort of this like connected to the same stuff like it's tough to navigate the social life where uh yeah you want to connect with people um yeah so like the sense of like celebrity or fame or you know wanting what someone else wants or trying to connect with them, be friends with them and like when money gets involved or like clout or whatever people kind of freak out uh what were we talking about i want to
0: get back think, to that it's, a, it's fine do you think to yourself that you're like famous and like you get paranoid or like think like someone's trying to contact you to get something from you
1: no i don't think so not um,
0: yet I, you're I on solar black I, think? I,
1: I, I, I mean i guess so far i don't know everyone seems pretty genuine with me and i try to be genuine with people back um uh yeah i guess i'm i'm lucky that way no one's tried to like fuck me over on anything i think um but also i i again i try to keep a lot of people at a distance so maybe i haven't let like a whole lot of people in but uh it, it hasn't been a problem for me so far and again i don't think i'm like i don't think i'm big deal
0: shit i'm just i'm just a person would you ever use your name to promote like death egg like you're like Zach smith's going here to something and so i'm doing here so i'm doing now right yeah that's true <laughs> I didn't even think of that. well are uh, you gonna be at the reading on friday uh i'm not gonna read but i'll
1: i'll probably sit in on most of it
0: yeah yeah i was at the josh sherman one and i got really drunk
1: you got drunk there
0: oh yeah good and we like start i started yelling at josh did <laughs> you ever use him for a promotional thing i think if you like he there should be egg. like a uh huh?
1: he blurred death egg yeah
0: yeah well he has me We're we have each other blocked, but uh why isn't there like a back patio like uh like podcast where you know the concept of like back patio is where you guys like it's like stories like heard in like a backyard party mm-hmm. that you would like tell your friends i think like that's a definite like that's a really cool concept for just like a a podcast where you're just like you're just talking casually yeah to two people within the back patio podcast or back patio publishing thing
1: i think it's a cool idea yeah and and i think it's good when people have cool ideas like that um and I, I talk to people a lot who yeah who will come in with with ideas or like hey you should um you should do this to promote a book or like you should do this with books or whatever or mm-hmm. you know this other thing and i think that's good I but the reality of it is like i'm really fucking tired
0: and right now or just
1: just all the time just in general oh. like it's The small press, publishing, writing sort of scene, because I've been doing it for like five years now or a little bit longer. Like it's easy to come in very excited um, and seeing what you see is a lot of gaps in potential and then wanting Mm -hmm. to fill those gaps or work with people to fill those gaps. And that's why people start websites or start presses um, or start podcasts or whatever reading series energy and enthusiasm and then like the longer you do it the more shit you deal with and the more like cynical you get about it the less of a payoff of whatever you wanted to find that there is like obviously there's no monetary payoff there might be uh no payoff because people aren't listening or paying attention you know you don't get enough likes on your tweets and you get discouraged yep and you get other stuff that you do and you find what you are passionate about and for me right now it's I really enjoy the act of like quietly editing a collection of poetry and working with someone on it. I like the act of designing a book and doing the layout. You know, I used to, when I was younger, like just have fun making like websites or just like one page of a website and just tinkering with how it looked. And it's like a similar thing, designing a book. Uh, it's like a quiet meditative art practice. You know, I enjoy making stupid, funny black and white stickers, uh, and that's like and i like the experience of learning new things and experimenting more you know this is the first time like we really tried writing a press release and really tried contacting media about it this is the first time i really tried contacting bookstores about it um i'm you know sending more advanced reader copies to try to get reviews and stuff like small steps where i feel like i can be in control uh, and be calm and enjoy the whole process because another thing that happens i think used to feel like it used to happen more there's a period in like i don't know it feels like 2018 2019 there'd be like all these presses that would start and they'd be like oh this kicks ass we're having a lot of fun i know how to make books now i'm going to publish 20 Mm -hmm. books a year and then they completely burn themselves out the books get delayed no one's happy they close shop all the books disappear So I knew going into working with Kevin on Back Patio, I was like, listen, I know you're really excited right now, but look at all these other people around us fucking this up. Like you got to stick to like four books a year max. And even that's pushing it. And, you know, the most crazy year was when we did three books and that was right when the pandemic was happening and we just put them all out at the same time. And that was like a, you know, it was a lot of work and it was really
0: hard. Um, We only
1: put out 11 books total.
0: Isn't that what happened with civil coping mechanisms that they, they just kept putting out books and wouldn't even like take the time to promote one to the Probably. other.
1: Yeah. I didn't really follow them along uh, when that was happening, but I know that I've read a lot of civil coping mechanism books that I've liked. And I actually have tried to like find just a list of all their books so mm-hmm. I could find them like on thrift books or something and you know fill out, read some cool stuff but it, you can't even find that list anywhere right like, well, like
0: i just remember like they put out really good books but then like yeah. they would put out a book and then like by the time you got it they'd be putting out like five more books yeah yeah
1: yeah and that's you know uh i don't know much about how they operated or or, or who was involved but it was a or- uh oh okay but yeah i think like i wouldn't be surprised if part of it's like well I'm trying to make money doing this. And Mm -hmm. they're like real offset print run books. And there's some logic to make a really big catalog and make a lot of books and you'll make money. Like there's some print on demand presses that just put out fucking whatever and they do zero effort, zero design, whatever. They put out chapbooks, they put out kids' books, they put out whatever. And their business model is just if I publish enough things, if I publish like 200 books a year, and each book sells ten copies and I make uh fifty percent of the royalties as publisher for those copies. That means I make two bucks a book. That means I make, you know, twenty bucks a book. And if I did two hundred books, like that's worth it for doing very little work. Yeah, you know, some people have that business model. That's a good um, I, yeah, I think Maybe I but then you know, you kinda don't do right by the authors, I think. So Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of things you could do and I could shit talk, whatever. But for me right now, like the most fun I've had in the publishing side is just quietly working on like one book at a time Mm -hmm. and making it feel unique and editing it and doing the design and working with a person on it and like uh,
0: just seeing what happens when it comes out. Does it kill your creative like energy to like create a presser and like send it out to like TV stations or colleges and it's like you don't hear anything back and you feel like that time is wasted or?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's similar to uh yeah similar to like the submission grind mm-hmm. for writing right like it's not good to be it doesn't feel good to be rejected <laughs> but <laughs> is it worse to, uh,
0: because you're trying to like support someone you know you think is good and like you're putting out their book
1: yeah uh but I also and know you- it's not like personal like I I knew going into it to not expect much you know the the fact that anyone responded at all I think is great like that's more than I could ask for
0: do you like to do marketing with like your friends and like do silly shit like i liked when like <laughs> graham irving and then like nate and then troy james weaver they're all like fighting with each other yeah. on twitter i think that's really fun and entertaining and it gets people to look yeah at their
1: yeah i mean that's yeah it's fun for everyone and i i think that's part of the fun of independent publishing is that you have that freedom right like if you know going into it that you're not going to sell a whole bunch and you don't need to please anyone who's giving you a grant and you don't need to please any shareholders. And you know, all that pressure is lifted. You can just have fun with it and set your own terms on it. Uh, and if that sells more books, then like more power to you, but it doesn't even have to like the fun should be the number one thing for, mm-hmm. and I treat it as such, like, you know, um, mm-hmm. I like just as someone who consumes content on Twitter, I hate reading earnest, unironic posts by people promoting their book. <laughs> I just be honest about it. Like I don't like people saying that they're thrilled to whatever, or you know, to to tag people and use hashtags and make those little promotional pictures of their book like standing on a field of like photoshop bullshit
0: what if like, it's other readers who do that what do you mean what if it's other readers who are like trying to promote the other people and it's an yeah. un- earnest and unironic you hate that well no no i do no. that like all the fucking time no i think that's good i mean that's, no that's a cool you can like not like my
1: no 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 i'm not I, I just didn't understand your question i think at first but oh. no i think like that's good like i unironically will talk about stuff that i love too like i think that's good yeah Um, but something about like the artist as marketer artist Mm -hmm. as promoter of the self Mm -hmm. and this like just you know like yeah i know what you mean yeah and i'm not saying i'm correct about any of this but it just feels so soulless and unfun and Mm -hmm. yeah so like i said so like doing stupid shit on the internet is the fun part of it so like yeah like I also Nathaniel think Daniel and Graham fighting about whatever guns and pee that's funny and I don't care if it sells any books cuz it's yeah. an entertaining
0: thing. I think it's also there's a craft to tweeting and there's an art to it that a lot of yeah. people like me like I don't if I could tweet good I totally would. <laughs> if I could tweet like Nate I totally would but I just yeah. like don't it's doesn't come to me.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm pretty good at tweeting. I don't I don't think I'm that good at tweeting either. Uh and Sebastian yeah. kills it. He's good, and he and he, I think he has good tweets, and he also has popular tweets, which is impressive. Yeah, it's a it's a rare uh, a rare gift. <laughs> yeah.
0: Would you work with him to promote Death Egg? I think you guys should you guys should do something. You Nate and Sebastian, <laughs> you should reach out to Lucy. She's I mean she's doing this shit too. She's yeah. published two books this year, so she's doing all the similar stuff you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, maybe we should. Yeah, I like Sebastian a lot. We talk. Um, and uh yeah i'd like to do more readings and stuff i think just for a while i was so like just disconnected from a lot of it but um, um yeah i think the reading you put on was just a lot of fun i think the misery loves company readings are a lot of fun uh you know i think it's good like i've done other online readings that were less fun
0: <laughs> yeah and uh were you serious uh
1: a little bit or they just didn't have like a good energy or like yeah. the I, th- I think you need, I've only done a few in-person readings. I think in online reading, you need an energy between the participants. And so I think the, like, who you book is a good, like, is an important factor. And then you can get all these funny or weird interactions between people.
0: Yeah. Are there any presses that you uh, admire? You see how they're putting out books and then you kind of take what they do and you apply it to back patio. Uh,
1: no, we're the no, best. no.
0: <laughs> okay, do you not look at like other presses like that? Because you're you're like too into your own thing.
1: I mean, I I'm aware of a lot of presses, and I know like I'm I'm interested in how they operate and what they do. Well, because and... I guess
0: it's hard to even know like what they do because it's all behind the scenes stuff, anyways. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think there's. I mean, there's just so many presses and there's so many books. Like, it's hard to be abreast of everything. I, I think I, uh, I'm, i yeah, I'm not, like, striving to copy anyone's approach to anything. I want to, that's because, again, for me, that's part of the fun, like, learning how to do it and going yeah. through it and, like, figuring out a good path for it. Like, I know there's some presses that won't do any marketing at all, which is fine. It's their really? prerogative. Yeah, sure. I mean, whatever.
0: Um, like like college presses?
1: Or just like in our, you know, just like print-on-demand stuff or like indie lit stuff. Oh. Um, I don't know anything about college or university presses.
0: You don't? You went to graduate school? I mean, yeah, I taught, kind of studied linguistics. And <laughs> I don't know, I was involved like a in the magazine of linguistics. No, no, oh.
1: <laughs> no. The program was like I don't know, like twenty people. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a huge thing
0: have you ever uh thought about like creating a magazine online uh
1: yeah i've thought about it i've entertained the idea a few times yeah uh, did yeah. you have a name uh i did but i forgot what it was a long time ago i wanted right when i started i had this idea i wanted and i realized in retrospect now why it was a stupid idea but i wanted to start a a website that would publish flash fiction where every piece was exactly 666 words And that was actually, Kevin had written something for that, and uh, that was the only thing I got.
0: (laughs) What if you'd started like, okay, what if you started a magazine, but then it's like only one theme every like like few months, and then you change the magazine and change the title, Mm -hmm. but it's still like it keeps all the archives. Yeah. So you can create new ideas every few months. Yeah. Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. Um, Yeah, I had a. I basically wanted to make and i started working on it uh and i never finished it where i was going to make bear parade 2.com yeah there's just gonna be the same kind of thing but with people who are publishing now who i liked And it would be a similar each piece is on its own page and you click through um and Kevin had written a really great little so each thing would effectively be like a digital chapbook but then each piece is on a separate page and he'd written a really great little collection of like these flash fictions or poems about but jobs that mm-hmm. was really fun. Uh, so yeah, no, I've had like various ideas and I've entertained. I, I think it'd be fun to do a print anthology. I think it'd be fun to start a, just a, just a, you know, website. Uh, so you don't you code know. though? Not that well. I know oh. enough HTML to make like a basic page.
0: What do you think a magazine should look like nowadays that, like, attra- that would attract you to read it?
1: Yeah, that's hard. Because everything's on the phone now. Uh, um, I don't know. I really liked the... Uh, did you ever read Philosophical Idiot? No. I They're not online anymore, but I really liked their aesthetic. They would do like... um, They do it by month. So the archive is like by month, and they just have like a few pieces um, organized by poetry or fiction. And uh, they're this good like black and white aesthetic with like centered text and stuff it was pretty cool what years did they run i don't know when they started uh but they're around probably like 2016 to 2019 something like that
0: who what did they publish
1: uh a whole bunch of people yeah like tired
0: people uh
1: i don't know like there's people whose names i recognize and people who i i wouldn't know um okay but i mean yeah for a while like in the for, i i'm less connected to the scene now in terms of who's publishing what where but like you know you'll see the same names show up in all the various places um like if you go through what backpedia the website is publishing like through december like uh i don't know like coleman bomar uh he when we re- reopened his Poems were the first thing we published, uh, like last month or whatever that was. And he's had something in, I don't know, like all the other little contemporary mags that are out right now. Like, I don't even know. I've seen it, I've seen his stuff pop up, and he's got that chat book on God Pile. So, like, at the time in like 2018, 2019, there'd be names like that that mm-hmm. you'd recognize on all these little websites. And so, yeah. like, I had something, I had something on Philosophical Idiot, uh, people i i can't even name anyone right now did you like, know
0: the editor
1: i got to know them a little bit uh we talked cat was pretty involved in the neutral spaces chat <laughs> that i mentioned back when that started uh but i don't really know brandon that well i never really talked to him
0: did you ever meet uh john carlo
1: Tyrant? No. no 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 did you know him No, I I had like three direct messages with him back when I was trying to um, find a publisher for everything. It's totally fine.
0: Did he like consider it? He
1: said I could email it to him and I did and then he never responded, which I took as a rejection. No, uh, I mean, he died a while after. It was, my understanding is basically, you know, he would tell, he would encourage people to send him stuff and he would read whatever. And if you really liked it, he would respond within a day. And if you didn't want to publish it, he wouldn't respond. How do you feel? I think it's that? a good approach. I think it's a good approach. Yeah. I don't I think it's you know, you can get so many submissions for stuff, especially if you get some notoriety that sending rejections is a pain in the ass and people love to get angry at you when you reject mm-hmm. them. So it's
0: i'm feeling good right now because i sent him a fan email once and like within the day he like responded and said it was like a really nice email
1: that's great you should feel good with that he seems like a good guy yeah yeah i love all the books he published that i've read
0: did you see how they would he would come out with books like every just now and then
1: yeah 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 Yeah,
0: i always like that
1: yeah it's i think uh yeah i think he had a good he straddled that line of yeah Publishing progressive literature and doing things on his own terms, but then also still getting some good press and like good distribution. How I don't really any presses like that right now.
0: How long after a uh, death egg being published, are you going to like keep trying to promote it and stuff?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I don't know for a little while until we get bored of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I was actually just thinking about that now. I was like, I should probably try to promote some of the older books now. Um, but I guess part of it is that putting together this reading this Friday is getting some of the people from uh, from the from the back
0: catalog like in front of a new audience. Why, why do you guys? I guess I should let you go pretty soon. But yeah, yeah. it's good. Like, why? Uh, I always want to ask, like, why the pre-orders? Why do you do pre-orders? Uh.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a couple of reasons. Uh, so back patio books, we don't do fully Amazon print on demand. We do like, we use a separate printer and then it keeps catalog on hand. Um, so pre-orders are good for one measuring interest. So like for the t-shirts. So when we went into it, I wanted to do a t-shirt book bundle. I had no idea how many t-shirts to make. Uh, I just put a number up and said, we'll cap it at this number if we hit it, if we don't, whatever. If I did just a normal order, I would have to figure out how many shirts to make and pay for them up front. And then um, either not have enough or sit on 50 unsold shirts, you know, and Mm -hmm. lose like 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the same thing could apply to books. So, and, you know. Like, I I think it's especially if you're printing like a batch of books, like a pre-order is good because it makes the money much more easy where Mm -hmm. you don't need as much upfront cost. So there's like making books is really expensive and really annoying. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's like a lot of these weird things that go into it depending on how, like what level you want to do it. But, you know, if again, like if it costs you three bucks to get per copy of a book, um, you know, and you just say, hey, we're opening orders and they trickle in you know like let's say you get 20 orders the first week you are like okay so either i should have ordered a large number of books or too few books to begin with and spend all that money and i have no idea how many people are going to order them uh, but with the pre-order you could say like okay i know that after two weeks i've got 50 orders i can order like 80 books and probably mm. be good for a while and i have the pre-order money that i can use to buy those books <laughs> you know hmm. i don't your upfront expenses is, is much lower with pre-orders so you just use that money to buy the stuff
0: okay cool well, yeah, it's you... like a
1: it's like a practical pragmatic business thing
0: how um, much money have you made uh you don't have to say i was just
1: no that's fine yeah so like when i decided to when i talked to Kevin about restarting back patio press uh, and got his support for it. The status was, um, you know, we buy ISBN numbers or mm-hmm. ISBNs for each book. And you can buy one ISBN for like something stupid, like 150 bucks, or you could buy 10 for $295. Mm-hmm. So when we started, when Kevin started Back Backpedia, I went in with him and we split the, uh, the 300 bucks for the first 10 ISBNs. And then we used those all up. So to do Death Egg, I bought another 10. So going into it, I knew I'd have to buy the ISBNs, I'd have to print like the proofs, um, which if you're printing an individual proof, you know, it could be after shipping like up to like seven or eight bucks per proof. Uh, and then I have to buy like the mailers and shipping for the ARCs and all this stuff. So when I restarted it, I gave myself a business loan of $500. Wow. And I was like, I'm just going to take 500 of my personal dollars, put them in this separate checking account. Uh, and then like, you know, buy the ISBNs and buy the proofs and order promotional stickers and mailers and all that stuff. Um, and uh, the, and so we've done all the books. I bought 40 shirts. I uh bought an ad in a magazine for a little under 200 bucks that i haven't paid for yet they haven't invoiced for me that for me yet um but i know how much it's going to be um i've sent some books to bookstores that haven't paid the invoices yet on those so that'll like change things but right now i have four hundred dollars so i'm behind about a hundred uh but uh yeah you made back so, I'm in the whole 100 bucks so far.
0: Oh, that's not bad. I
1: mean, yeah, it's yeah. So, I, but I have to pay another 200 for the ad, but I'm going to get another like 150 from bookstores. And I still have like 25 shirts that I hope to sell. Um to make a couple bucks per shirt. And then uh but then I have to, you know, I'm like out of a lot of my stickers. I need to order probably some more copies of like watertown or whatever you know like Mm -hmm. i mean it's like i'm not you know i'm not making
0: it banking it man
1: (laughs) and it's not about the money for me and i'm happy to be transparent about it like i i want to just i think it's good for these books to exist and i want people to buy them and read them and have them available so yeah it's a it's a hobby it's something for me to do and Mm -hmm. Um, um if it breaks even that's that's all I could ask for. If I don't break even, it's like whatever. You know, it's really easy to lose a lot of money doing this too. Like
0: back oh, yeah. when we were
1: doing Livermush, uh, <laughs> um haven't ordered like 100 books with the wrong cover. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. You wow. know, and like um, he, uh, you know, like,
0: you know, stuff... spe- special editions. Exclusive? Yeah, I forget what
1: happened. I think we sent them to Graham and Graham just gave them to people um and uh you know i had to like we had the initial run of livermust shirts they were all in florida and then kevin couldn't get them to me and people didn't get their original orders so i had to like get new ones made you know and, like wow so like all told Backpedio press has probably lost like a thousand dollars but just uh, on shirts just on everything yeah you know, oh, okay just whatever would
0: Which you if you could go back would you not order the shirts
1: no, the prints are great. I'm glad we made the shirts. I love my oh, little okay. shirt. You're and very we, positive. We ended up selling all the ones that I had made.
0: Um, you keep things so, on the positive side. <laughs> I, I think
1: it's important. It's a cool shirt. I mean, I designed the shirt. I'm happy for people to wear it. We, uh, I forget how many we originally made, but when I was trying to take things over to help out Kevin, like I don't know, like maybe like ten people hadn't gotten their shirts, and so I ordered like I don't know thirty from the printer, mm-hmm. uh, hoping to just fill those and then um you know sell the other 20 just to make it like worth shipping up here and we end up selling them all of you know like one one shirt like every two weeks it's nice, Some nice. person yeah so i'm hoping for the same thing for the death egg shirts but they're uh yellow shirts are probably harder to sell
0: okay i guess i'll let you go but like <laughs> how long how long do I have to wait before i invite you back uh whenever Everybody, i'm happy to talk to you i like talking three months about
1: <laughs> don't worry, whatever, man. It's fine. I
0: could have kept going on and on and on. Yeah, this is
1: good. We should talk again soon. Yeah, don't worry about right, it. Just reach out.
0: All right. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. It was
1: awesome. of course. Thank you. I hope it didn't bore everyone, but yeah, I'm happy to yeah. talk about this stuff. And I, if anyone has any questions, they can reach out to me. uh Also, happy to keep talking to you, man. It's been good.
0: All right. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, man. Bye. Bye. And that was Zach Smith.